joined now by Rance Rizzuto and Tara DeFrancisco. Hi! Hey! <laughs> so, um, you guys are down here both to teach uh, the IO Intensive as well, but you guys are doing a show which is called Here. That's right. Yes. And so I just want to first just talk a little bit about uh, what that experience is like of, of could you take the show all over the world? Yes. And what that experience is like doing improv all over the world and how different audiences react to that. It's amazing. It's there. Next question. <laughs> uh, it's Perfect. amazing. We're done. Nailed. Casey, no, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really wonderful. It's, it's, um, traveling to different communities and seeing where their improv community is at is really a, a unique and wonderful experience that I think not many teachers and performers get to have. So it's been, um, I guess we're going to places we also don't teach and we do the show on its own. But when we teach somewhere, you get to see um, communities come up under this. Like, even if we go year to year, you see a community grow in that time. Like, we've been down here to Miami last year and we came back and everyone's worked the whole year. So it's neat to see that community come up and blossom yeah. or the way they interpret comedy in different places. Yeah. And in Europe, there's uh, we've been in, in countries that we're lucky enough they speak a lot of English, but right? It's, but it's not there. It's not like we were in Britain doing here our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were not the English as their main language because mm-hmm. we were in Bremen, Germany, and and Riga, Latvia, and uh, Estonia, and Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. So we had the benefit of a lot of the a lot of them spoke English, but there were some who was was on the lighter side. Yeah. Like English, yeah. Uh, but yeah. but but still, since we were connecting emotionally and also using music, it still was translatable. Right. And I imagine that that's that the high emotion and high energy is probably really helpful in bringing along an audience who doesn't understand the words necessarily. Super helpful. It's it's fun for us too because a lot of the challenge of improv is that it can become very heady and it be, it can become very word dense that you're using a lot of words to convey how you feel rather than showing people how you feel. And so we've kind of had a good experience showing people how we feel like having emotional, um, I don't know, emotional, uh, awakenings inside, inside a scene. And that's translatable wherever you go. Yeah. And how about teaching in other places it's where English neat. is not the first it. language? It's real yeah. neat. Oh, it's super fun. Uh, I'd say that of those of those four cities that we just mentioned, that um, for me at least, Latvia was the I had the highest um, percentage of low English. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Me as well. And it just became fun because it would it would, I opened up the window for like go ahead and instant translate if need be. Uh, or, uh, when, when they were doing notes, but not in the scenes. So it'd be right. funny to see like one person not know what elbow meant and do a scene about like an animal, <laughs> right. uh, some, some animal that they thought I said or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all in the group mindset of the other students when they saw what the one person was doing in their scene would get at least what they were doing, knowing full well that elbow wasn't right. No one said, and that wasn't an example, but just something that popped in my head. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they would treat the animal like it was an elbow that they had caught. Yeah. Uh, and then we'd laugh about it later once they figured out what it, what they had done wrong. Yeah, I think that we were both 
equally as impressed, uh, both wildly impressed by how much they did understand in English. We, I mean, we felt very spoiled because everywhere we went, people were reaching out to understand what we were saying. And we were going at a fairly steady clip. I mean, teaching these programs is, it's intense on, you know, purposefully yeah. intense. <laughs> it's, it's tough. These are days where you're really getting into the work and having people that are struggling with language, but still plugging along, trying to do that with you. feels like an honor. So it's nice to slow down for them, too, and, and help them through the process. Yeah. It's cool. It helps us be better teachers. What kind of what kind of mindset do you guys get in when you're coming to teach an intensive as opposed to a one-day workshop or something like that? Because you have to have a curriculum and things like that. And how do you how do you prepare even for doing something that humongous as as an intensive? The Honestly, the hardest part is probably voice. Like our teaching for like Six or what, seven hours. like what you're hearing right now isn't <laughs> isn't what we normally this is not our normal voices <laughs> yeah, yeah. we close. sound like smoky lounge singers yeah. or something yeah uh, but but everything else at this point I mean Tara and I have been doing improv for years mm -hmm. and teaching for years so it's it's interesting that you that we ha we have a curriculum, we have a thing we have to teach, but what we do when we get in there is we know what to teach, but we don't know how to teach it a hundred percent until we see how the people play. Right. Because every uh, if if everyone's great at uh, at physical creating environments together, mm -hmm. then we don't need to teach that. We, we can we can touch we on it yeah. and uh, lightly to make sure everyone's on the same page with our our um, vocabulary we use to talk about those things and then move on. If everyone's terrible at scenes, they've never done two people, they've never <laughs> talked to another person in their life, which never <laughs> happens. But if that's the case, then we have to spend extra time on that mm -hmm. element. So we know the we know what we need to teach for the week, but we don't know that we're going to teach all of that exactly as it is until we see what the people are. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. almost like knowing like the beats to a play. It's like we know we have to hit certain points that we have to we in order to teach a program. If Rance and I are going on our own, it's a separate thing, I suppose, but when we're teaching for IO for example, um we know that like the goal of our week is to make their heralds better or something there's some kind of reachable goal. So in order to do that, you have to hit these milestones on you know what will what will accentuate the work in the place that we're at. But adjusting is our job too, which is sort of neat that we mm -hmm. have to preach that. We have to preach like, are you staying present? Are you um, being flexible? Are you are you malleable? Can you change along with us as we teach you? But really our job is to change along with what the class needs as well and not just stick to a paper that says, do these six exercises. That's probably the difference between like a veteran teacher and a more novice teacher is that they're going to try to make sure they get all those exercises in. But we're going to work on, like, are you getting what you need? Are we teaching you in the way that you can learn the best way? Mm -hmm. Nice. Thanks, yeah. ma'am. <laughs> and you both, you both also have a background in short form, doing comedy sports. We do. So how does that affect your teaching and your uh, ability, I guess, to interface with communities where maybe long form isn't what they do all the time? Mm -hmm. Like in Chicago, how does that, you know, how does that affect your your teaching style? I feel like for me, it's made it's made me empathetic to the plight of the audience, and um, I I feel that short form is only going to accentuate and make make long form better. People that have short form training 
know about pattern and play and games. And so they're naturally inclined to find the fun and twinkly parts of a scene. And some long formers can get stuck on the words in a scene. Um, so it can only really help. The downside, I guess, is that you could probably find chaos more with short form. You could probably get a little bit like too spazzy or like rely upon a gimmick to make your scene good if it isn't. But if we're doing short form well, it just resembles a really good improv scene. So it can only accentuate a good long form show and having an audience, um, transfer over its understanding of short form to long form is really difficult. So I think it's our job as long form performers to instruct an audience how to watch our show and let them feel like they're playing with us mm -hmm. rather than against us. Like we don't understand. We want to invite them into our art form. Yeah. And I feel like there's some of the, some of the exercises we do as we're teaching mm. resemble, uh, short form games and it's interesting to point out uh, we since we've played all those games we know the angles of it i can say like this if this was a short form game we'd be playing for this at we'd be we'd start off slow to let the audience catch up and then we'd increase our difficulty to keep it interesting for them mm -hmm. but this is a we're, when we're doing it as an opening it's more important for us to just listen and build off of each other because we're not eliminating anybody we're not there's no none of the like uh hardcore like competitive angles to it mm -hmm. it's us working together and building uh to to keep it all together and um and the idea of momentum has been something that at least i've been hitting hard this week uh as far as you can have a, a good steady pace and keep the momentum going but once the momentum goes away that's when it feels like it's harder to do the the long form like mm -hmm. opening work mm -hmm. and that sense of speed and momentum is something that's kind of built into a lot of short forms right, so they exactly. so they yeah. get it yeah. they get it uh, easier yeah it's good it's like a, it's probably an advantage in that way you feel you feel energy more yeah. when you've been trained in short form and that's it, ideally long form shows feel like a mixtape that vary in energy like they 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 engage the audience because they go quick quick slow or the tempo changes mm -hmm. and that's that's something that we can use as an advantage from what we've done yeah with short this. form is yeah. that is that you're you're planning the games yeah. in order to give certain kinds of energy and certain kinds of relief. And I guess that probably does help with doing, you know, a herald. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's, it's nice to kind of know that all those skills are usable. And how about doing a two person herald? I'm, you know, I'll see it when you guys do your show, oh, but really I'm, I don't understand. Like, I honestly, like, I don't know how a game slot would work in a two person herald. Oh, uh, well, we don't really do a herald, right? It's not that we do a herald. It's that it ends up being a herald, herald. right? <laughs> as all things um, seem yeah. to do. Yeah, we have, we have, uh, we us as our two person team, as our as our house team uh, at IO back in Chicago, we don't strive to do a herald. We strive to do a piece and listen to the piece and mm -hmm. find out where where that piece is going, um, and then discover the piece as it's going. But we know what the herald is, and we recognize when the herald shows up, and it, and it's it's for two people. It's less about the group game slots, right? More and more so about, um, I'd say, if something shows up in a group game slot, it's more of a a scene that doesn't get called back. If that mm, makes sense, like right. 
it's two it's two characters we've never seen before and in in maybe a more like a mm. in some sort of energy shift situation. So right. if it's like if we need the hype energies it's these might be these two frenetic characters and they disappear and we never see them again. Mm-hmm. Or if everything's been frenetic then it's like two people chilling. Yeah. And then they disappear and it's back to the chaos. Right. So yeah. using that as a way to shift energy. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the way we also resemble a herald probably is that we create a lot in the first 15 minutes and the second 15 minutes is collision of the things that we've already created. So in that way it really winks at the herald but it's probably not exactly a herald yeah yeah and you guys have been part of you know the scene in chicago for a while now for how how is how has <laughs> chicago's uh improv scene changed uh since you guys you know started mm. um yeah how has it changed well, it's, it's bigger always every year it gets bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger there's and that's good and bad mm-hmm. in that that there's Easily over 10,000 improvisers in the city. Easily. And the nice thing is people are... It, it used to be like, what am I going to do if I don't get on a team at, at I.O.? Or what am mm-hmm. I going to do if I don't get on a, on a, on a so Torco at Second City? Something. Yeah, or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the ensemble of comedy sports or at Annoyance. And so yeah. many bars and tiny... Uh, in Like sort of... I don't want to say hole in the wall because they're better than that. But like... Yeah. Not quite theater spaces have shown up and mm-hmm. gives everybody an opportunity to perform, which is great. What I think is lacking is everyone seems to be going towards a, no, there's a pocket full of people who are pushing the form and the bigger chunk of people who are doing improv because it's, because f- it's fun or it's like a thing to do, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's more of like a hangout thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like people trying to be in play volleyball in the Olympics and then a bunch of people who go to the beach to play volleyball. Right. Mm-hmm. Still fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, still takes some skill, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, I feel like in, in myself sometimes too, I feel like the push and the drive goes away cause it's so easily accessible to play. Mm. Um, you can like throw a rock and hit an improv show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truly like pretty much. And, and I, I miss the like, uh, like what's the next what's the next step going to be the next step for the art form yeah yeah i think i think when i was coming up it was really easy to be like reverent of the people that were above uh, a quote of you know whatever (laughs) above us older than us veteran more veteran and that was again good and bad the bad of that was is that you didn't get as many reps on an earlier stage probably um but the the upside was that you were really super interested in the work being done and maybe we're watching it more to get good at it rather than like like hungering for like you want to get up and get a show and that's all that matters like i think you learn from watching and doing mm-hmm. not just doing and maybe that's sort of there's so many opportunities to do that people aren't like going home and sitting and like chewing on the improv they did and then having five days off they're all like i want to show every night i want to get a rep every night and really that's not the only way you grow Sometimes you grow because you did a show, you had four days to sit with that show and you really had to like process that and kind of see what you thought you could do better. Or that that's how we came up is like you do a show once a week max and you would have six days to reflect and mm-hmm. read the paper and talk to friends that don't do improv and like fill out your world a bit so that when you return mm-hmm. to the show, you had something to talk about. And now it seems like if we have a show every night at a very elementary level, you might be doing too much too quickly so that you're not like, you're not learning. You're just kind of regurgitating um, like elementary work. 
I don't want to call it bad. It's just new, new work Mm -hmm. where you're not like necessarily processing it the same way that we got a chance to do that. Yeah. Maybe that's the change. I don't know. Yeah. Both have advantages. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you think sort of follow up question is, where do you think improv as an art form has changed since you've started? What, what's, what's new? What's, what's different? What's exciting to you about it now that maybe wasn't there 10 years ago? There's, go ahead. Oh, well, it's, it's hard to say because improv is so different everywhere that, mm. uh, like I was just talking about a, a theory of like improv evolution in a city versus improv evolution in a college. Cause in a college you learn from pretty much the seniors mm-hmm. and then they disappear and then it's up to the next mm. seniors to teach and then they disappear. So Whereas improv in a city is like the evolution of a tortoise who has a hundred year lifespan. (laughs) Improv in a college can be like the evolution of a mosquito that lives for three days and then Mm. like lives for three days, has babies, dies. That's funny. Of the, the, the mortality rate is faster in, in colleges. Mm -hmm. So it's like what gets passed along, it's Mm -hmm. always going to change. It's not going to be the same information. Whereas a uh, Chicago foundation has their, curriculum how they mm-hmm. teach and it's mm-hmm. taught that way for a long time until some until some bit like until ucb goes off to do their own thing and then mm-hmm. they still teach it pretty much the io way but with a little bit more of a twist towards the game mm-hmm. uh but it's a longer year process and right I, i'm very interested to see what colleges are gonna do just because they have that boom 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 boom, boom. Yeah, yeah the quickness is trying to every year it's, it's altered I feel like we've also seen a um, we've seen a real drive in some cities, especially Europe, because they're they're just not very afraid of it. But there seems to be a real uh, lean towards dramatic improv that we've yeah. never seen prior to now as much, at least in Chicago. So it's it's interesting to see people kind of wake up to what if the show isn't comedic and it's just an improvised play? That seems to be very um, ubiquitous all over the city. It's fun. It's cool to see people getting like, maybe I'm not afraid to let the scene be serious. Yeah. Um, cause you know, for after a certain point you get sort of bored of making sure there's a nice little tagline on your scene that felt genuine and earnest. Um, it's nice to kind of just say, what if the scene stands alone as a heartfelt scene in the middle of our show? And then there's more interest in probably like pushing that farther. I think there's going to be a lot of push towards dramatic improv in the next 10 years. My guess is that I think as we get braver, as we get braver and don't need laughs to feel good about ourselves, I think mm-hmm. a lot of improvisers will say, well, maybe I can do the other thing too. And maybe they do both. Yeah. Cause it's about making the audience feel not about making the audience laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you want to see happen at least in Chicago, as far as improv goes, what would you like to see change or shift or you know, what, what do you want to happen? If there's something you want, yeah, Chicago kind of specifically. Good, gosh, yeah, it's a good like it's Chicago a good era. specifically, or us in Chicago specifically. Like, I think we're in a. I like where I am. Yeah, we're lucky. I mean, we've worked we've worked a long time and we've worked hard, but we're lucky too. There's not many people that do our job for a living. I mean, we we do a lot of weird work for sure yeah. that's improv related, but as it goes to teach and play shows on the road all over the world and meet communities of people, it's pretty it's pretty yeah. badass. Um, Oh, I did it. Um, <laughs> I cussed. Uh, but it does feel, it does feel 
cool to like meet all these people and see what else other other worlds of improv are doing i think in the world in general in improv i would love it if cities would stop fighting when they have more than one or two theaters in their own city it oh, is yeah. it is unit it is constant everywhere everywhere we go and i hope that gives um i hope that gives comfort to anyone anywhere hearing this anywhere when, uh, when i started in portland it was it was comedy sports and a long form theater and they were the it's always like a theater starts in a city and then some other theaters there and then both theaters or owners of the theaters whatever think no now there's competition for yeah. for for uh customers and viewers who's going to watch this and then then slowly but surely after about like two to five years they'll realize oh we both still have customers that's fine and then a third one will show up and then they'll be like they're all fine great yeah. And then we'll all work together. But it always goes through that, like, oh, no, One, two, my business. Three. Always. Every, in Portland, I was right there at that edge of, I, it was a big deal when I went to take a class at the long form theater. When I was like, working at Comedy Sports. Yeah, I was like, when I showed up, they're like, oh, <laughs> oh Rance is the guy from Comedy Sports. He's, oh. Oh, oh. It was like the yeah. teacher was like, oh, you're the guy. Oh. Uh, and then it's, when I took a class, it was like, oh, he's a person who likes improv. Yeah, it's like the more we communicate, the more it goes away. And it does seem like when a, when a city gets big enough to have enough delightful people that like this art form, there's always, always like a strange amoebic split. Um, and then the, they start to worry because their audiences are... Like, they're worried that someone's going to take their fun hobby away because no audience will come. That's all fear-based. Everything is fear-based. And then once they realize that everything's okay, that third theater shows up and everyone's a community again. So, like, just know anywhere it's coming, everyone. We've seen it plenty of times in plenty of cities always. It just, it'd be cool if we eliminated that step and said, oh, you want to do a neat other thing? Great. Do your neat other thing. We'll see you. It's great. You know, like, take care of each other. We practice a lot about building community and raising the barn together, but it's tough to, to practice it. Um, so it's 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 uh, it's probably a relief and a nightmare to think that it happens everywhere we go. Seems to. Yeah. Yeah. But there's hope. Oh, always. there's hope. It always it always seems to come back to improvisers by their very nature want to build community. It's what we do. We say yes. We lift each other up. We may have like blackout periods where we forget that that's the right thing to do, but it always goes back to that. It always goes back to like people are basically good and we want to celebrate each other's work. Um, we were talking to one of Rance's students this morning about this, about like how stand up can be very like if you go to support someone at their stand up show and you're a stand up, they might find it like unusual. Like, why are you, why are you here? Why are you at my show? Are you like lifting jokes? It can get kind of competitive. Um, it doesn't have to, but it does sometimes a lot. Um, and the cool part about improvisers are we don't really need to do that. Uh, we can, we can just show up to each other's shows and support it and yeah. keep doing that forever. Uh, we dictate how our community thrives and grows. So it's, it's nice to think that we can still push forward in a positive way. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Tara Rance, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank yeah, man. You. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Just the Funny Presents is presented by Just the Funny, Miami's home for improv and sketch comedy. For more information, visit our website at justthefunny.com.